Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. So why is this uptick in crime happening? Well, let's think about it. Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? The fact that people are at a level of economic desperation that we have not seen since the Great Recession. Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Psychopathic communist occasional cortex who should be in a mental hospital says that the crime wave in New York City is not due to the police being attacked and defunded by her and her psychopathic girlfriends, but it's due to hunger. They're out in the streets shooting each other to put food on the table. So I have a suggestion for Occasional Cortex and her crazy girlfriends. Why don't you take Al Sharpton and a social worker and not police and go up to Harlem at two in the morning to converse with the gun-toting killers but again, no police, no, no NYPD. And let's see if Al Sharptongue will go there with you. Welcome to the Savage Nation. It's getting crazier by the day. This is, of course, not the only topic. Uh, there are many others, including the COVID story, which I need to get into because there are so many lies, half-truths, and deceptions that I think I need to give you my opinion. There's also the issue of Trump commuting the sentence of Stone. Let me be very clear disastrous political mistake. I was at a private club Saturday having lunch. Most of the people there are Republicans, so I understand. And I heard men discussing this. These are Trump supporters. And one said to the other, well, what do you think about Trump uh, commuting stone? And they weren't very happy with it. My position is he should have waited to pardon stone until after the election. Who was misadvising the president? They are seriously misadvising him. Now, I know many of you tried to parse what I said and said it wasn't a pardon. It was a commutation. We all know that he should have put him in prison. Then he should have pardoned him after the election. It would have had less fallback on him than doing this now. It was a disastrous blunder. Number one, the tweeting, another blunder. Number two, we've all said, stop the tweeting. It's juvenile. You're making mistakes. Cut it out. No one listens to us. That's topic number two. You want topic number three? Here's a, num a number three for you. The first federal execution in 17 years of a white supremacist who broke into a gun store, killed a man and his wife and his eight-year-old eight, eight daughter, put um, bags over their heads and smothered them to death. The guy was set to be executed today. It was stopped by a judge. What's interesting about this case is the judge is an African-American woman appointed by Obama, a far-left fanatic. Isn't it ironic that a far-left fanatic African-American woman would spare the execution of a white supremacist? How does that work? That's topic number four. Uh, how about number five? If Trump grants amnesty to the millions of illegals on the DACA, he will lose the election in a landslide. That is my position. As I was going off the air on Friday on the Savage Nation, 
there was a big uh, article came out. Trump says he's going to do a DACA, beautiful DACA, beautiful again, beautiful. What does it mean, beautiful? We don't know. It's going to be a beautiful immigration reform plan, which includes DACA. So what does he mean? He's going to give amnesty to the millions of illegals. He will lose his base. Now, here's something that you Republicans don't seem to understand, because many of you are very good people, but you think in two dimensions, not three. You're saying you agree with the idiots who are running Trump's campaign who think that, oh, they have nowhere to go. They will vote for Donald Trump. Well, you're wrong. There's a third place for them to go, which is not to vote at all. Of course, they're not going to vote for Biden and the crazies. They just won't vote at all. They won't come out and vote again. Do you understand that there is a third way? It's not either or. It's not Trump or communism. It's Trump, communism, or not voting out of disgust. Do you get that yet? Do you understand, you idiots who are running Trump's campaign? I know many of you have listeners who listen to this show because we are a bellwether of your core base. I also know that people in the Trump inner circle listen to this show and also watch my tweets. You are committing Harry Carey in front of the world. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Oh, yes, you've, you've never had such record fundraising, but fundraising does not translate into voting. Do you understand that as well? No, you don't understand that at all. This is the Savage Nation. We're open for business. Let's play uh, Blue Monday because the show is about to begin. I actually didn't even begin the show. That was just a prelude to the show. Uh, which is better than you're going to get for most shows for the rest of the week from anyone else. The news is so horrible. I don't even want to look at it. And I'm in the news business. I have never seen such horrible news in my entire life. Every day I wake up and I see the big lie, gigantic propaganda. I hear about Black Lives Matter this, Black Lives Matter that, Black Lives Matter this, Black Lives Matter that. Then I wake up and I see a black man stab two elderly white men on a, a man on a subway. And it wasn't even a news story in the major media because it doesn't fit the agenda. Do you understand how disturbing it is to see the twisted reality of what's going on? Do you know that they're twisting West Point into a high school level insanity? I'll tell you more about it. I got it from a friend of mine who knows what's going on there. They're changing the curriculum to make sure that white males need not apply for any major positions in the military anymore. You can't believe what's going on. It's getting worse by the second. The nation is melting down faster than Chernobyl. Welcome to this. So how do I go on? What do I do for a positive view of the world? Well, it's really simple. First of all, I draw tremendous strength and sustenance from nature. I told you I love to watch seabirds. So I've taken up boating again, and I went out on the bay over the, well, yesterday. It was a beautiful day with a couple of friends, and we went to the city. Yes, San Francisco. And I noticed something unusual, which I've seen for the last few weeks. There are increasing numbers of pelicans flying around San Francisco Bay. Now you say, well, they usually come back in the summer because there's a lot of fish in the summer. That is true. But no, I've been boating for many years here, and I've never seen so many flocks of pelicans. And I think it's because the factory ships that used to come in from China and elsewhere that was sucking the fish out of the uh, ocean a few miles offshore. They're just not fishing as often because, well, there aren't as many people in restaurants eating the fish, number one. Uh, People are eating at home and they're probably not even eating as much fish as they were eating. So there's more fish for the birds is what I think. Anyway, so why do I like watching seabirds? Because they're smarter than most human beings. They have a better social structure than most human beings. 
and they are better family, better parents than most humans in America today. I watch the elder birds teaching the baby birds how to fly and how to fish. You see, there's no welfare in the ocean. There's no welfare. Either you fish and catch a fish or you starve to death. They don't expect the government to drop a fish into their into the into the beak. You get it how that works? Now, I realize we're not pelicans and we're not animals. We're better than pelicans. We're supposed to take care of our most vulnerable. But what happens when our most vulnerable are not really our most vulnerable? They're the most predatory. What do you do then? Well, you don't talk about it. What you do is you put your head in the sand and make believe the world is fine. So I take great sustenance in observing the natural life, feeling the wind on my face, feeling the motion of the boat. And you know what I say? The world will go on one way or the other. Then I turn the radio on before the show and I listen to Rush Limbaugh from time to time. And I have to tell you, it's very sad to listen to him. And you're not going to say, oh, you can't criticize him. Well, if you can't criticize the sacred cows on the left and you can't criticize the sacred cows on the right, then what the hell is there left to talk about? The rubbish of the Mueller report and Russiagate? That's not my that's not what I do for a living. I listen to Rush Limbaugh going on and on talking about something he knows nothing about the covid epidemic. And I say to myself how sad it is that a man dying and suffering so badly as he is of stage four cancer and going through the hell and the agony of chemotherapy has the, the stupidity, frankly, the stupidity of saying COVID's a lie. It's put out to, to damage Trump. Again, the same big lie over and over again. Do you realize that if a man who is on chemotherapy, who has a compromised immune system as he does, what the God forbid contract COVID, do you know that he'd be dead within only a few days? Do you understand that he is in one of the most vulnerable groups of people for this horrible, terrible virus? How can he get up there every day and go on and on and beat a dead horse like this? Of course, we know there is a certain degree of hype surrounding the COVID virus, but not to the extent that he is saying. And if I don't get up here and say this, I feel I am remiss to my own audience. My job, frankly, is that of a social critic. And that applies to those on the left, those in the middle and those on the right. That's my job. Do you understand what my job is? I'm a social critic, a social observer. And my observation doesn't stop at two thirds of the of the uh, of the uh, circle. It applies to the entire circle, left, right and center. Now, there are many other topics that I want to talk about today, including, well, I guess your calls. The federal judge stopped the first federal execution in almost two decades. I also want to talk about bipolar disorder today. I think it's di misdiagnosed and overdiagnosed, by the way. It seems to me that too many people are using bipolar disorder as a catch-all category for their behavior, especially criminals, that when they're caught, they say, oh, Johnny was off his meds. He's bipolar. Well, does that excuse his behavior if he hurts somebody? There are many doctors, by the way, who used to say that bipolar disorder was overdiagnosed. It was once a medical phenomenon that was recognized, meaning children were being misdiagnosed, people were being misdiagnosed, and the drug companies were pushing their, their drugs on people in order to sell the, the drugs they need to overdiagnose. 
And uh, many psychiatrists used to agree with me on this. Not anymore. Now bipolar is the rage. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. You know, it's no surprise that current events might be contributing to more stress and sleep deprivation. Let Ebb Sleep help you. We know that daily stress can impact your ability to relax and wind down when it's time for bed. Ebb Sleep created the Cool Drift Sleep System to help you counteract life stresses. Now, the mind's normal way of dealing with stress and challenges is to be on guard or more vigilant, right? The inverse of what's needed for a restful night of sleep. The Ebb Cool Drift Sleep System provides a cooling, calming sensation to the forehead designed to counteract the way the mind and body reacts to stressful situations. So listen, the Ebb Cool Drift is the first and only drug-free sleep solution to use continuous cooling that reduces metabolic activity in the frontal cortex, the thinking part of the brain, which quiets the feeling of a racing mind and allows you to fall asleep faster and sleep better. Ebb Cool Drift is a compact and gentle wearable solution that helps reduce those racing thoughts to allow people who are suffering from sleeplessness to drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep. Imagine what you can take on in the morning after a restful night of restorative sleep. So look, whether you're seeking a solution to a long-term battle with sleeplessness or looking for a small or looking for small improvements to operate at your peak, it's time to try the Ebb Cool Drift sleep system. Sleep is critical and Ebb believes the solution should be natural with no harsh next day side effects. Whether you're seeking a solution to a long-term battle with sleeplessness or looking for small improvements to operate at your peak, it's time to try the Ebb Cool Drift sleep system. And just for our listeners, you can save $25 off your order by going to tryebb.com slash savage using promo code savage at checkout that's 25 bucks off your order and you can try it risk-free for 60 nights that's try ebb that's t-r-y-e-b-b dot com slash savage try ebb.com slash savage use promo code savage to save 25 dollars today and get a great night's sleep once again try ebb.com slash savage promo code savage Have a good night's sleep. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. All right, look, I've thrown out numerous topics this Monday on the Savage Nation. I know the news is downright depressing. It's sickening. I know many of you don't want to talk about the news. So I threw in a non-news story, which is the uh, question of whether bipolar disorder is being overdiagnosed. And I'm going to ask you... Are you really bipolar? Would you please call the show and describe what your symptoms are? Because when I was younger, it was known as manic depression, for example. Now the new definition is bipolar. Mood swings, in other words. Can anyone tell me who doesn't have mood swings? Do you know anyone who's a normal path? Who is in a stable, uh, emotional state all day day long, day in and day out, the same personality? I I don't know such a person. 
as I have said to you, now I know there are extreme examples of people who are schizophrenic. We understand that. Don't think I'm wiping that away. But I think there's an overdiagnosis of bipolar by what I am reading in the literature. I mean, there's a unipolar uh, depression that's well established. But this issue of bipolar, I don't know that it really needs such a broad scale diagnosis. So if you want to call the show with that to uh, discuss it, the phone number is 855-407-282. Or which topic that I have mentioned is the most important? I've mentioned many, by the way, including that Trump made a mistake in commuting Stone's sentence at this time. I know you can argue with me on that. And uh, I don't know what your argument might be. Politically, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. and I know it is because he just gave a press conference justifying his commutation of Roger Stone's sentence. So, I mean, your, your argument is already blown up in front of your face because he himself knows he made a mistake. It's that simple. That's another topic. And the, the Stone issue. The curriculum at West Point is being torn apart in the name of anti-racism. You can't believe what West Point is doing. Whites and Asians need not apply to um, Universal, NBC Universal anymore. Did you see that one? What a story that is. Then you got occasional cortex saying that the crime rate, the crime rate in New York is increasing, not because there are no police, because they've defunded the police, but because the poor people who are shooting each other are going out to shoplift, shoplift bread. This is the crazy world that we are living in. And then the Pelicans, <laughs> always the Pelicans. I get my sustenance by looking at the, 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 the seabirds. I love to watch animals in general, but. Birds, to me, have become more interesting and more, more majestic than ever in my life. Whatever the bird species is, I don't even know how they survive in this world, but they do. The issue of the animals surviving as they do, their instincts and their knowledge and their social structure. You know, I sometimes think that if I would do it all over again, I'd be an ornithologist. Would you believe that? I said that to someone yesterday on my boat. I said, is it too late for me to become an ornithologist? I have a PhD, a master's, and another master's degree, but so what? What if I got a master's in ornithology? Is that, what do you need another master's degree for? I'm not going to teach. And you can learn everything online now, basically. I could take courses in ornithology or bipolar, 855-400-728. Remember, this show is known as a show that expresses itself in psychological nudity. So don't be ashamed to strip yourself bare <laughs> by calling the show and discussing any of these topics. We're not going to judge you. We may mock you, but we won't judge you. Let's have another soundbite, which is, again, occasional cortex, perhaps the most mentally deranged person in the history of the Congress. And that's amongst, amongst many, many, many people who are mentally deranged in Congress. She's saying you don't solve crime with police. What you do is you bring in social workers. So, Ms. Cortex, I suggest you go up to Harlem with Al Sharpton tonight at 2 a.m., right outside the 2 a.m. club, when the guns are shooting their bullets, you know, real bullets made of real lead. And let me know if your talk and your hot air will help you then. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Living with chronic pain is really the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of our listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing and sleeping or stopped them from exercising. Maybe it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments you've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. 
This is a non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. Best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours, which is longer than over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. It's a great deal. This discount also applies towards any product that's on their site. What do you do? You go to omaxhealth.com. You enter code SAVAGE. That's O-M-A-X health.com. Enter code SAVAGE. And you're going to get 20% off cryo-freeze, which really works, by the way, in anything on their site. You're still not sold? Well, go look at the product reviews. They've got 95% five-star reviews, page after page, of customers saying they've tried everything. And Omax Cryo-Freeze is so good, they're now buying it for their family and friends, too. What you do is you simply roll it over where it hurts, and you ice out the pain. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of those other products. Cryo-Freeze works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So go to OmaxHealth.com and enter code SAVAGE to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything on their site. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal. Go to omaxhealth.com, code SAVAGE, to get 20% off and anything on their site and to kill that pain. omaxhealth.com, code SAVAGE. All right, after that long ad break, I'm still here. I know some of you get in the car when the ads come on and you get home by the time the ads are still running. But uh, that's the nature of the business. It just shows you that we're doing well in talk radio. We have a lot of ads. And without them, remember, there'd be no uh, talk radio. We are a capitalist system here. We are not uh, socialists. We're not NPR. We don't get government money. We don't live on grants and handouts. If Trump really wanted to do something dramatic, he should ban all funding for NPR. But, you know, I haven't seen that yet. Have you? No, not yet. Not yet. All the advisors are advising him. Oh, no, don't don't do that. The, the, the Democrats will hate you. You might get one extra vote. But getting back to the uh, issues I raised, uh, there were many issues. The, the pardoning of Stone, occasional cortex. Uh, I asked, is bipolar disorder overdiagnosed? Are you bipolar? Describe your symptoms. And I did so for a reason. And then you say, well, how do you draw sustenance in your life? How do you keep happy or sane? Well, I'm not a happy person. I never have been. Happiness is for children. The first thing I got to tell you is that you stop being happy after you're a child. If you're still happy as an adult, there's something wrong with you. You're probably a drunk or you're on drugs. Happiness is not the normal state of man as an ad- human beings as an adult, especially a man, especially the uh, generation I come from. Men were not happy. You know why? They were responsible for themselves and their family. And they were vigilant all the time. And they were on guard all the time. They were not happy walking around like a putz with a smile on their face. You know, I was reading about uh, the, the, the biography of uh, Donald Trump. I'm going to get into another thing now. The, the niece now with the fake book. This, the therapist niece claims he's this, he's that. And that the father, Fred, was a severe... And didn't give Donald any love, and he gauged a man only by his success. Well, that generation was all like that. That's why this generation that I'm in produced so much. That's why we're so productive. My father was exactly the same as Fred, albeit not as successful as Fred. Successful enough 
in that he was an immigrant, began with nothing, and wound up with a tiny little store, enough to pay off a small house, an attached house, and one car, and one vacation a year. And my mother was a homemaker, not a, not a worker. So in a way, everything was orderly and good. But my father was not a uh, happy person. And he was very severe with me, just like Fred Trump was with Donald. That's the way men were. So, oh, it produces psychological damage in a young... What do you want him to become? What kind of man do you want him to become? What did Fred want from his sons but successful men? How much more successful can you get than Donald Trump? He is the president, for God's sakes, you idiots. You may not like it, but he's the president. And he has beautiful children and grandchildren. And there were towers that he built in his name, you idiots. You, What have you done? All you sitting there up in Berkeley judging everybody, you produce nothing but a foul odor coming out of your couch. So, yeah, I can talk about that if you want, but don't call me on that one. Let's talk about the bipolar thing, okay? Let's talk about the bipolar. Who's the best caller? Chuck in Austin, Texas. Go ahead, please. You're on the bipolar question. What's on your mind? Hi, Dr. Savage. Uh, you have to forgive me. I, I'm kind of nervous. It's not every day I'm heard by millions of people, more people than I'll meet for the rest of my life. Right. You will be heard by more people than you'll meet for the rest of your life. But if you think of it that way, you could freeze up. So think of it this way. You're just talking to a friend on the phone. Well, I got to say, some days I agree with you wholeheartedly. Some days I disagree with you so much I don't listen to you at all. Today, you are 100% right. Bipolar disorder is so highly uh, overdiagnosed. I was overdiagnosed with it. They gave me crazy meds like Lexapro and Depakote and Sertraline. Depakote is an anti-seizure medicine. What was I doing on Depakote? And then they wanted to give me... Well, the drug companies had to sell it to someone. And they they saturated the seizure market, so therefore they expanded it into this market. What else? Any other questions? Um, no, you know, I'm sure they can now sell it as something good for an eating disorder. You know, they admitted they misdiagnosed me, too. They said I had anxiety. You know, I love it when you do that cheap thing. Anxiety. Everybody's got anxiety. But, you know, mine apparently was heightened by my military service and the year I spent in combat. You know, I wasn't a special forces operator, but I wasn't a desert storm guy either. You know, Got it. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad you exposed that. Fine. So you come back with PTSD. You have anxiety. But you're not bipolar is what you're saying. Correct. So what have you done to mitigate the anxiety outside of pharmacological solutions? Well, you know, one of the things that actually helped me even, even get to where I am is my, my lovely wife. I mean, she she saw some of the signs. that. She- Sir, this is a family show. We can't talk about your sexual proclivities. No, no, sir. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, she, she helped me. She saw that I was like sleepwalking and sleep talking. And she says, you got to get off those meds. So she's been my rock, you know. And we have a daughter together. We have a wholesome family, a nuclear family that they're trying to destroy. And they're not taking it from me. So how do you know you're not bipolar? You know, all the evidence that they, they gave me that pointed towards bipolar disorder was completely refuted by just regular behaviors, you know. like well, What is bipolar? Mood swings? Drastic mood swings? Drastic mood swings from here to there, you know. You're, but what, in one sec, in one instance or over a period of a day or what? You know, they used some evidence. I had some bad habits when I was younger. I used to gamble a lot. So sometimes I'd, uh, you know, get really uh, intoxicated and go gamble all night. And, and they say, oh, that, that's an example of an extreme. You went from nothing to, to gambling all night. It's like, well, 
I don't. Well, wait. You wanted the high of gambling. You wanted the 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 adrenaline, the excitement, the fear, right? Yeah, but uh, I've realized, come to realize that that's a waste of time too. So now, I'm no, but wait a minute, hold it now. But you were driving your your let's say emotional state with your gambling addiction, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hold it. Hold it. So you 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 could we could call you in a more um, common parlance an adrenaline junkie, right? You like excitement and danger. You said you're in the military. You said you're in Desert Storm. You were in combat. What could be more dangerous than that? Okay, so you like that thrill, yes? No, I wasn't in Desert Storm. I was in Afghanistan, sir. Okay, but were you in combat? Yes, sir. So when you were in combat and under constant stress of killing and being killed, what did it do for your emotions? I I kind of turned it off. Uh, I I figured that it was going to happen. It was going to happen before I even could feel that it happened or heard that it happened. And... uh, Oh, so you had no fear of dying. That's interesting. I felt like I had to pay a penance for a, a past sin of mine. And I, wow, that's an interesting uh, thing. That's a whole story unto itself. It is. Okay, so the main, the topic I brought up today is, is bi- bipolar being not misdiagnosed, but overdiagnosed. You're saying you were misdiagnosed. You put on meds that made you sick, basically, is your answer, correct? Correct. All right, Chuck, thanks for listening so intently, and I don't mean to upset you or antagonize you in any way. Now, there's a woman calling uh, about bipolar who has a son, and I want to hear what she has to say. I want to learn something about this disorder. Now, I didn't say it doesn't exist. Please do not misquote me. I said, is bipolar disorder overdiagnosed is what I asked. So, Nora in California somewhere, welcome to the program Tell us what's on your mind. Hi, Dr. Savage. It's Laura um, in uh, Fremont, California. My son has uh, bipolar disorder, and in a, he's 27 years old. He's an actor. He lives in L.A. Uh, he, I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> yes. He's on almost every uh, Yes. You're bre- honey, uh, Dora, Laura, Nora, you're breaking up. What's your point? I can't follow it. The voice isn't coming through. I'm sorry. He. Um, You'll give me bipolar before this call is over. I'm sorry. He calls me. Sometimes he's normal, and then other times he's just raving, screaming, yelling, um, cursing. Okay. Does he use drugs? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I mean, I, I don't mean far. I don't mean prescription drugs for his condition. I'm talking about is he on coke or speed? Mar- does he use marijuana? Has he smoked marijuana since he's a teenager? Yes, he's uh, he he uses marijuana a lot. Marijuana is one of the most important triggers of many psychological and psychiatric disorders. It is one of the most psychoactive of all compounds. And it provokes outright schizophrenic reactions in many sensitive people, Nora. The big lie today is marijuana is natural, therefore it's healthful for you. Nothing could be further from the truth. And if I were to help anyone listening to this show today who is diagnosed, whether it be with bipolar or unipolar depression, the most important thing you could do is stop smoking marijuana. That would be step number one. Number one, stop smoking marijuana. Number two, stop drinking alcohol. Number three, stop smoking cigarettes. I know that's a big, a big give there to, to tell people to do that. So was your son like this even as a teenager? Yes. Yes. What, from screaming to depression? Yes. 
Yes, it's horrible uh, because. Uh, well, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. I just, I'm just curious. I'm trying to learn something here. Were you or your husband, if you, were you married at the time, was it? Were you or your husband fighting all the time? Divorce. I um, no, they were. We were divorced, so he. No, but I mean, when your son, when your son was a kid, was he around a couple that fought day and night? No. So it was a peaceful, loving relationship. Basically, yes. Okay, so you can't blame yourself for your son's behavior, correct? Correct. Although he blamed me. What? Although he what? She just dropped. No, he blames me. One more minute, I'm going to go take a pill. I I can't take this. Say it again, please. He blames me for everything in his life. So he hates his mother? Correct. Does he have a girlfriend? No, he can't have relationships. Why? Because of his mood swings? I believe that's the reason. Has he ever had a girlfriend? Yes. Did he ever have sexual relations that you know of in a normal manner? Uh, yes. Yes. How, how would you know that? He tells me. Um, I mean, oh, well, now we're getting into a little uh, uh, Freudian stuff now. So your son disclosed the sexual activity to his mother. Why would he do that? Um, well, let, let's pause on that thought. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Well, hour number one is almost over, if you can believe it. I hope that I haven't triggered your... Um, your uh, psychological uh, proclivities with speeding through the hour, but we're talking about bipolar disorder, which is real, but is it overdiagnosed and misdiagnosed is the question. Stephen Florida claims he is bipolar. Steve, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Yes, I'm a dentist and hospital administrator. I'm retired. I was actually one of the Captain Kangaroos. I was in the public health service for 10 years, accepted assignment in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And my father died suddenly when he was 64 years old. I was in my late 30s. And it really threw me out of whack. Lost a lot of time. The Bureau of Prisons found me as a uh, defective damaged goods. And they had the Public Health Service retire me. And I was a year away from Fulberg Colonel. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? You, you got mentally unstable from your father's death? Depression. Depression. A lot of depression. But wait, Steve, come on. We're both grown men. When my father died, I was a young man with a young child. I never even, he never even saw his grandchild. So, it, of course, it was very sad. A father and a son are so intimately interwoven. A son never gets over the death of his father. In fact, you're not supposed to get over the death of your father. You're supposed to remember your father. So, uh, in all these years, you've not come through that? Well, no, that's not true. I had a very, very smart Indian uh, psychiatrist and neurologist uh, diagnose me. I've looked back over the years, and I can see how the brain chemistry disorder has really been a problem for me. Um, when you say you're bipolar, you just said you're depressed. So where's the other side? I'm, I have bipolar type 2. I don't get what does that mean? Huge, I don't get the huge manias where, you know, you run out. So then you're, then you're unipolar. You're a depressive. You're not a bipolar. No, I'm, I get hypomanias, which are slight manias. What does a hypomania mean? You feel like, you know, you're... It's not from the laughing gas? 
No, very funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. No, every guy I knew who went into the dental world wanted to use the laughing gas for free. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning. The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. What happened to America? Who stole America? How could people produce music like this in the 1950s when America was so racist and so horrible? especially African-Americans in the uh, music field, how could they do such beautiful music? You know, you have to ask yourself these questions. Well, at least I do. Who stole America is not the question. The question is, is bipolar disorder overdiagnosed and misdiagnosed, amongst other questions? Should Trump have waited to pardon Stone until after the election? Who was misadvising him? I'm aware that it was a commutation But I say he should have put him in prison and then pardoned him after the election instead of antagonizing even more undecided voters. Mistake, mistake, mistake. And then for the advisors to President Trump who are thinking, oh, those right wingers have nowhere to go. They're not going to vote for Biden. They got to vote for Trump, even if he grants amnesty to eight million uh, DACA recipients. Wrong you are. There's always a third way, which is not voting. We don't live in Korea. We don't live in North Korea where you have to vote for the grand leader. You can also not vote. Then you got the psychopathic communist, occasional cortex in New York, who says the crime wave in New York City is due to hunger. That the gangbangers are shooting each other to put food on the table because they don't have food. If you look at her eyes, by the way, we're doing a show today on bipolar disorder. I would say that there's a high degree of mental illness in this woman. She's a high-functioning schizophrenic, according to my diagnosis. The distance between her eyes, for example. I don't want to go into the details, but believe me, I've studied these things. Now, one of the things I want to talk about is the bipolar disorder issue. Not because it's a joke, but because many people are being diagnosed with it and put on drugs, which may be doing more harm than good. Now, why am I interested in this topic? Well, for one, it's not that political in some ways. It's more uh, interesting to me and to you. I'm sure you're all anxious to talk about something other than Donald Trump, <clears throat> Joe Biden, and, 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 and the Black Lives Matter and all the lies going around it, you know. So we're talking about this topic. But I have to preface it with a little information, and it may take me a little while to do so. I self-diagnosed myself when I was a teenager with some kind of mood disorder. I didn't know what it was. But I would swing wildly between mania and then depression, and I didn't know what was happening to me. And I, like all teenagers, indulged in marijuana, alcohol, whatever it was. Uh, it was around. We all used it. I never used the hard stuff because I was, frankly, too controlled to do what some of my, quote, friends did, who all wound up, by the way, either in prison or really sick or dead. Every one of my friends who went further than marijuana wound up either sick or dead, by the way. 
every one of them. But getting back to myself, so I didn't know what I was experiencing, nor did I share it with anyone. I didn't go to say, Mommy, I'm going up. Mommy, I'm going down. Daddy, I don't feel... I never told anyone. I never told a girlfriend. I never told a family member. I just had to deal with it myself. Now, this is an interesting point that I'm about to make from my point of view. The interesting part, to me, it is. Because I suffered from these mood swings and I didn't know what they were, I was driven to do things in my life that were extraordinary. In a way, trying to self-cure. Why would a New York guy from the menu in which I was wind up in the islands of the South Pacific over a many-year period, on and off, collecting medicinal plants, looking for cures to bring back to, back to the world? Why would, why would I have wound up an ethnobotanist? What drives a people to do the things that they do? So I believe, and my plant collections, by the way, it was not a hobby, are in seven museums around the world, and they will be there for hundreds of years, no matter what anyone says. They're very important in that science, as small as it may be, of ethnobotany. Who knows that amongst the plants I collected and the notes that I took from the healers, there might not be a future cure for something or other. I don't know. That's the hope. But there are other things that I have done based upon my attempt to deal with my own uh, emotional issues. Talk radio, for example. How did I get into talk radio? I didn't train in journalism. I didn't train in public communications. I never took a communications course in my life. How did I enter this world of talk radio at age 50 after three other careers? How did I wind up 26 years in this business, now a member of the National Radio Hall of Fame? How did I wind up a best-selling author, a multiple best-selling author? I don't know whether it's all related to these emotional issues or not. But I do know that along the way, I read very deeply in many fields. And that included popular fields. So I remember reading Aldous Huxley, who I was fascinated by. And I believe he wrote that uh, people do great things in the world or extraordinary things in the world not because of their, quote, neuroses, if you want to call that using an old antiquated phrase, but in spite of their neurosis. Think about that carefully, that it's not because you're a little, let's say, off in some ways that you do extraordinary things. You do the extraordinary things in spite of these emotional problems that you may be having. You get that? Now, you see, many artists in past generations would say that they're wild and crazy and it's because of that that they can paint or they can write poetry or they can sculpt. Well, no, not necessarily. Because some of the greatest art was done by people who were not schizophrenic, not alcoholics, not drug addicts. You don't have to be William Burroughs, you know, shooting up H in order to, uh, to write poetry, for example. I'm sure that the Sistine Chapel was painted uh, by a great artist who didn't have to shoot heroin because there was no heroin in those days. I'm sure he wasn't even eating opium. I think he was just a great artist. But how do we know what emotions he suffered through every day? So I then tried to self-medicate through vitamins, exercise. I was an avid runner. Writing. I'm an obsessive writer. That's how I write so many books. So what should I have done? Taken medication at age 18 to become a zombie and produce nothing in my life? Just been a, be a flatliner like most people in America today? and say that's the norm for humanity. I think that all creative people, all creative people without exception, 
have uh, a, a tremendous variation of mood in a day. Now, I realize that variation in mood in a single day is not unusual. And I realize that that's not a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I think bipolar disorder, as little as I understand it, is dramatic mood swings almost in the same moment from high to low in the same moment. So, okay, so it's real. But how real is it for so many people? How many children are being misdiagnosed in schools as being bipolar in order to control them, in order to dismiss them, in order to get rid of them, in order to drug them? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe you as a school administrator or as a psychiatrist can answer that question. Remember, this is a discussion. I do not have definitive answers about this uh, problem. But again, before I move on to your calls, which are going to be great, and I could do this for five hours right now, but I won't be able to. I only have another 30 minutes or so this hour. I want to talk about treatments for a minute, natural treatments. Along the road of looking into these things for myself and then for others, I stumbled upon many things, and I became a member of the, the Orthomolecular Medical Society in San Francisco in 1978 after I earned my PhD from Berkeley. I, I came upon a group of incredibly smart medical doctors and was head by my good friend Richard Cunyon, who's a medical doctor and a psychiatrist, trained, by the way, in a normal medical school, I think University of Wisconsin, regular psychiatrist, until he found that using vitamins in the right way was getting better results for some of his psychiatric patients than talk therapy and or drugs. And so he became a leader in the field. Well, that was interesting to me. And I started to read Abraham Hoffer, MD, PhD, who was, again, one of my great heroes. I got to tell you something about Abe Hoffer. And then I'll tell you what Hoffer wrote about schizophrenia, not about bipolar, because at the time there was no diagnosis of bipolar. That's a rather new uh, diagnosis, I think, uh, something, a new category of mental disturbance or imbalance, if you want to put it that way. So Hoffer actually had a daughter who was schizophrenic, I believe. And he started to get very interested in the use of nutrients in the treatment of schizophrenia. And he discovered that mega doses of niacin, which is a very inexpensive B vitamin, can mitigate some of the symptoms of outright schizophrenia in many patients. I realize it's kind of anecdotal. It's not double blinded, but he did treat an awful lot of patients. He also found that zinc, for example, has a tremendous effect on the mental um, acuity and the mental faculties of many people. And he told an interesting story in the literature that I want to repeat to you. One of the girls he was treating was a, diagnosed as a, a very serious schizophrenic. She was hospitalized. And the doctor would visit her, I think a few times a week, in the hospital. And he noticed that this young lady, who was again in the hospital as a schizophrenic, hopeless schizophrenic, parents put her away, was kind of in a good shape on a Monday. Every Monday, she'd be in a good place mentally. And by Wednesday, she would slip back into her schizophrenic state, whatever it manifested, I don't know. And so the doctor asked her, what happens on the weekend? He just wanted to know because he was a good, diag a good clinician. And she said, well, I go to um, lunch on Sunday with my parents. So the doctor was a curious type. And he said, well, okay, where do you go? She said, oh, it's a place I go to, a certain seafood place that I love. And he said, well, what do you eat? And she said, well, I eat a lot of oysters. I just love oysters. 
and I just eat so many of them. The doctor then looked up oysters and found out that they're very rich in zinc. And so he started to treat her with mega doses of zinc and mega doses of uh, niacin, and she was dehospitalized within a short period of time. Now, is this a one-off? Is it not? Yeah, of course, it's a one-off. But if you will read Abraham Hoffer's work, you'll see what a genius he was. And I want to add one other thing about this doctor. In 1950 or thereabouts, he discovered that niacin, high doses of niacin, reduce blood cholesterol. He told me years later in an interview when I met him while he was still alive, that if he were, let us say, a capitalist, and he wasn't, he was in Canada, and I believe very public service oriented, he said, I could have made a fortune by patenting my discovery of the use of niacin in the treatment of hypercholesterolemia, but he said, I didn't. I wanted to give it to the public for the public good. How many doctors today would ever do a thing like that? How many research universities would ever give away something for nothing? The answer is none. So men like him don't exist anymore. He was selfless. He was not greedy. And he was way ahead of his time. And I highly recommend that if anyone is listening to the show, if you yourself have a problem in this area or you have a family member who may be hopelessly uh, committed to an institution or lost in your mind forever and they're on drugs and they're not working, maybe making them worse, at least investigate Dr. Abraham Hoffer, H-O-F-F-E-R, and his work. And I believe one of his key papers would be on schizophrenia and uh, niacin. I'm not sure the titles of his papers. But there's just so much you can learn if you go down that road that may help you or a loved one. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. And remember, I am an immigrant son. I have no white privilege. Everything that I have earned, I've earned through very hard work, not through some secret handshake and some connections. I don't want to hear any more crap about white privilege. I'm sick of it, by the way. This herd mentality is destroying our country, and it's permitting the radical left to tear our society apart. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for reality. Now, let's go back to the topic we are talking about, which is the issue of is bipolar disorder overdiagnosed or misdiagnosed? Okay, that's what I want to talk about. 855-400-7282. Lisa, uh, Art in Louisiana, line one. Go ahead, please. Art, you're on the air. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Savage. Uh, I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I work with severe and persistently mentally ill folks. Um, I work directly with bipolar and schizophrenia schizophrenia and you know those other major diagnoses and uh, from what I see it's overdiagnosed quite a bit and also misdiagnosed and what is driving it the the selling of drugs and the treatment money that's involved well I, yeah you know I hate to say it but I think that's that's part of it um, you know when you go into the doctor's office uh, and if you have mood swings or you've gotten in trouble with the law or you know you something's gone wrong um, he's not going to give you a diagnosis of mood swings or being a jerk. He's got to give you a diagnosis of something. Right, right. Well, and right, when I see criminals and the mother says, oh, my Johnny has, he's bipolar and he was off his meds when he killed those three people. Well, why does that matter? Uh, it doesn't. That's just bogus. <laughs> you know. It's, well, that's the latest excuse, though, is that he was off his meds when he did it. So what? You know, if you look throughout history at mass murderers or uh, homicidal maniacs, every one of them had mental disorders, wouldn't you say? So I don't think a mental disorder is an excuse for antisocial behavior. 
Exactly. A mental disorder is a disorder, just like anything else. And whether you're off your meds or on your meds, you, you still have that ability uh, to determine right from wrong. And, uh, you know, with the schizophrenic and, and some people in that, with those diagnoses, if they're off their meds, yeah, they may be having command hallucinations. But if you look at statistics, uh, schizophrenics are far, far less savage nation commit murders than, than the regular population. So, so it's it's you know I've right. never it's looked. It's all an excuse, right? It's all an excuse to, uh, to 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 brush away, let us say, antisocial behavior. And I think that we all have to look at this very hard and not come up with excuses for antisocial behavior, but understand that there are people who are just no good. Uh, thank you for the call. Now, I'm not a believer in original sin, but I will tell you this. I believe that there are good kids and bad kids, and I've seen them in my life. I have seen children who love to hurt animals. They're bad people. I've seen boys who will step over a, a, an ant and not step on it. They're generally good people. Not weak, not sissies, not weaklings. Not mama's boys. They just realize the ant is also alive and has a reason to live. And they don't need to crush it to feel good. So I don't think that we need to excuse everyone's bad behavior with some kind of fancy psychiatric uh, definition. This is the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. Take your calls. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Uh, welcome back to the Savage Nation. We have less than a minute left. Antoine in the Bay Area, make it a minute or less. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Yes, hi, Doctor Savage. Uh, I just wanted to call in. I was so I was diagnosed with bipolar in uh, what was it 2000, 2011 uh, in Los Angeles. I was working for a major corporation, and then I had a big manic episode due to stress. And since that point, I, well, I ended up actually, you know, handcuffed. Uh, taken to the hospital in a mental institution for you know several weeks, and that's where my. Um, no, it's very sad. I mean, you obviously have emotional problems, but do we know that they fit in the category neatly of bipolar? Do you think it does? Well, I, so I think I definitely think it's overdiagnosed and probably misdiagnosed. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child, and then you know I dealt with depression. How heavy a marijuana user are you? Not at all. Nothing. Never been into drugs. Not, no alcohol. Medical. Alcohol? None? No. No, just partying-wise every once in a blue moon. All right. You're a normal person, but you have a, let us say, chemical imbalance. But is it necessarily in that category? I don't know, Antoine. That's why I brought up the topic. Is bipolar overdiagnosed? That will wrap up the show today. If you want to see more, it's on michaelsavage.com. There are so many more important stories that I haven't gotten to that I get to on michaelsavage.com thank you for listening and may god bless this great nation called america the westwood one podcast network 